Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Red Letters Sermon Series, which looks at the teachings and conversations of Christ in the Gospels. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Tonight, we're going to be in the book of Luke and chapter number seven. So take your Bible, if you would, and turn there to Luke seven tonight. And uh, I, I know it sounds weird to say, but last year, uh, we started a series on Sunday nights called The Red Letters. Uh, we actually started it back in July of last year, and it's kind of one of those series that we just kind of have ongoing, and then we take break from, breaks from every now and then, and so we've moved that to our Thursday nights for right now, and I'm looking forward to getting back into this study, and so we're going to be in Luke chapter number seven, of course, the whole series has been just studying the words of Christ and understanding um, not only what he was teaching, but maybe why he was teaching it and kind of trying to get the uh, context of the passages and, and really just digging into who Jesus was, what he taught, and why he taught it. When you come to Luke 7, just to kind of get us all on the same page, there's a number of things taking place. Most recently, uh, Jesus has done his Sermon on the Mount, and of course, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 passages uh, that we know to be the Sermon on the Mount, one of the longest portions of Scripture or of teaching that we have from Jesus, that's just taken place. Uh, Also, as you come to Luke 7, a couple of other things that have just happened, we know that Jesus has just recently, he's just recently healed the, uh, the servant of the centurion. If you were to go to Luke 7, the beginning of it, you read about the centurion and about him being, uh, the, excuse me, the servant of the centurion being healed. We discover that taking place. And then also we find most recently, I mean literally taking place just before the passage that we're looking at tonight, Right before that is Jesus coming into a little town called Nain, and uh, this is a picture actually I took uh, last year uh, when I was in Israel, and Jesus there in Nain, he comes into this town. Nain would be uh, probably uh, just about a couple of hours of a walk from Capernaum, that northern part of the Sea of Galilee, down to the city of Nain, and uh, probably more more than a few hours to walk there, but Jesus is entering that city. When he comes into the city, there's a funeral taking place. And there's a funeral procession. And what you find taking place is that procession happening. Jesus walking by this, uh, this son that had, had died of a widow lady. And Jesus went by, noticed the people crying. You can go read the story. And of course, he walks up and he says to the person carrying, the, the guys carrying the body, hey, stop right there. Says to the boy, rise up. And uh, the child, the, the young man rises up. And of course, there's restored life. Jesus brings that young man back to life. And a great miracle has just taken place, and so that's exactly what's going on and what has happened uh, leading up to the passage that we're at tonight. Now, before we get to the passage, I just want to ask you if you have ever had blurred vision, blurred vision, or if you've ever had to see through some uh, maybe a foggy day. I know that every one of us, if you've driven um, even here in, in Moses Lake area during the winter time, we have some foggy days every now and then during that fall and that winter time. But I don't know if you've ever just driven through a really thick fog. I remember a couple of years ago, well, it's been 10 years ago now, uh, that Hannah and I were driving in Idaho with our family. Uh, we were raising money to start the church. And as we were driving through uh, that area in Idaho, we hit a patch of fog that it was the thickest fog that I have ever, ever been around. 
around. And I remember driving through that, and we were going so slow, we couldn't see anything. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've driven through a fog, or maybe you've just had blurred vision. You just couldn't see clearly. Maybe driving a car with a broken windshield, or uh, perhaps even just a frosty day and your windows frosted over, or perhaps you've been one person to get out of the shower and go to look in the mirror. Maybe guys, you go to shave or something, or ladies, you go to put on your makeup and there's just that film of of steam on the mirror. Well, you can't see clearly because your vision is blurred. You can't see clearly because of that fog that's there. And tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to look into Luke chapter number seven and understand That in our life, there comes times when there's a fog that blurs our vision. There's a cloud that covers up what we should be seeing. And I'm not talking physically, I'm talking spiritually. And what we're going to do tonight is we're going to come to Luke 7, and we're actually going to discover a man whose vision of what he should have seen, it kind of became skewed. It became blurred. It was kind of foggy and In the moment of that fog, we're going to see how the Lord helped him through that. And that person we're looking at, his name is John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. And the fog that we're going to see is his doubt. He actually struggled with some doubt. Is Jesus really the Messiah? And what we're going to look at tonight is really seeing some help that his fog, the blurred vision, happened because of his circumstances. He's in jail. He's awaiting trial. He doesn't know what the next uh, uh, decisions are going to be. The Messiah hasn't done everything that he thought the Messiah should do. And so that his circumstances caused some blurred vision, caused that fog, caused that doubt. But what we're going to see tonight, and, and I'll repeat this again in just a moment, is Jesus doesn't reprimand him. Jesus doesn't say, John, John you're, you're a fool. No, instead, Jesus does some things to help John know, I am the Messiah, I am real, I am in control, John, you can keep trusting me. And tonight, what's going to be a help to us is the fact that every single one of us deal with that that fog or that blurred vision. We deal with those doubts. And tonight, we're going to figure out how do we see through the fog? How do we deal with blurred vision when we struggle with those doubts. And so take your Bible and go with me to Luke chapter 7 tonight. Luke chapter 7, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 19 of Luke 7. Luke 7, 19, here's what you read. And John calling unto him, two of his disciples sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? When the men were come unto him, to Jesus, they said, John Baptist hath sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And in that same hour, he, Jesus, cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things ye have heard, or you have seen and heard, how that the blind see. The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. To the poor, the gospel is preached. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. This is what he says to the people. 
What went ye out to into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in king's courts. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet, this is he, now Jesus, he's been speaking of John, this is he of whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. For I say unto you, among these that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. As you come to Luke chapter number seven, here we read of John the Baptist, John the baptizer. He was the cousin of Jesus. He was um, what you read in the, book of, in the book of John. He was the front runner, the forerunner of Jesus, one who would come. And uh, Jesus actually would be baptized by John, Jesus giving us an example about baptism. And that's a whole other message right there. But then uh, this is the same John that at that baptism, he witnessed the Holy Spirit of God descending from heaven like a dove upon, John, upon Jesus. And John heard the voice from heaven, uh, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this is the John that pointed to Jesus and said, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, the John, who preached the message of repentance that Jesus, the Messiah, was coming. Repent. Turn back to God. This is that very John sitting in a jail cell, no doubt fearing for his life, and we find him wondering, was I right? We find him curious, is Jesus really the Messiah? Is my cousin the one? Did did I have the wrong person? Did I imagine everything that took place? What we discover here is John, his vision is blurred because of his circumstances. And the truth is tonight that this can happen to any one of us. Any one of us can have our vision of who Christ is and what he has in store for us. We can have it blurred because of current circumstances. And so tonight, I'm going to look at this question that when we have blurred vision, how do we see through that fog? When our vision is blurred and our uh, uh, perception of Christ, of God, is skewed, how do we see through that? And tonight we're going to find that out. So let's pray, and then we'll discover tonight just a few thoughts about what to do when our vision is blurred and we can't see through that fog. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, wherever you are, I want you to take a minute and just ask God to speak to you. And you can pray something simple of, of just, dear God, please speak to my heart tonight. God, help me to hear from you tonight. And then maybe make the commitment, God, if you speak to me, I'm going to listen to you, and I'm going to hear from you. Dear Lord, we want to thank you for the day. We want to thank you so much for uh, who you are and what you do in our life. And Father, I want to thank you that you are in control. I want to thank you that you Give us grace, and Lord, reminded of that this morning from a friend's uh, tweet today of just the new grace that we're given every morning. And Father, I'm so thankful for your new grace and your strength and your provision in our lives. I'm thankful, God, that you love us and that you have a plan for us in spite of us. And Lord, 
I just want to come and, and commit this time to you. Father, I pray that you would help us. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. I pray, God, that as we get into the message and to the word of God tonight, that you would strengthen our walk with you. Lord, if there's someone watching tonight that does not know if heaven is where they would spend eternity, I pray that tonight they would have a, a message of hope, that they would hear, and Father, that they would understand your love for them. God, for every believer tonight, I pray that you would help us to see that while everyone deals with doubt, that you desire to show yourself through that fog, to show yourself through that blurred vision. And Lord, there's some things that you do to help us uh, kind of refocus our perception of who you are and what you want to do. I pray that you'd speak through me tonight, Lord. I do just uh, humble my heart before you, Lord, and recognize that you are worthy of so much more than I could give you tonight. And so I pray that you'd speak to us, help us to hear from you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Tonight, I just want to get into, right, right into the message, and this, that's this, that when you and I are dealing with, with, uh, with doubt, when we're struggling with blurred vision, we need to know first off that everyone deals with doubt. Everybody deals with doubt. About a year ago, we had Pastor Eric Sanders from Bible Baptist Church in Everett come by and, and preached on a Sunday night, and he preached about the doubt that everyone deals with, and no, uh, for sure, the, no doubt, there's a lot of people that that message resounded with. And then back in February, uh, we were going through a series about I Believe God. And we looked at Sarah's doubt uh, from the Word of God and how she doubted and how there are many, uh, really, we would say, spiritual giants that dealt with doubt in the Word of God. And the truth is that every single person deals with doubt. Every single person has circumstances that affects how they view God and what we think about God. And when we come to our passage tonight, we probably, if you're like me, you, you might have this thought of, well, I, I know everybody deals with doubt, but really probably not everyone. I mean, there's that Christian that I knew, and they, I, I don't see them dealing with doubt. There's that pastor or that preacher or there's that, uh, that Christian that I knew from way back when. They, they don't deal with doubt. They, just, they probably don't struggle with what I struggle with. I know I think that. I think that sometimes I'm the only person that has a blurred vision, that I'm the only person that has a bad skewed uh, perception of who God is. But we need to understand tonight that every single person, no matter who they are, deals with doubt. To help us see this, we find one of the most renowned Christians in the Word of God, somebody who... God used in a such an impactful way during the early ministries of early ministry of Jesus and yet we find this man John doubting. Really if you were to look at people in scripture you would uh, you would look at John and you would say no he he's not one to doubt. No, John wouldn't be one. There's no way that John the Baptist would be one who's dealing with doubt and yet we find it taking place. No, John doesn't deal with doubt. I mean, after all, look at everything he experienced. Look at, look at John's life. Look at everything he went through. Look at everything he witnessed. I mean, at the baptism and the, hearing a voice out of heaven, an audible voice saying, this is my beloved son and who I'm well pleased. How could you doubt after that? I mean, after all, he's the cousin of Jesus. After all, he was there at that miracle. After all, he has, he, he, after everything he's taught and seen, and yet we discover that he still, sitting in a jail cell, has some doubts. His doubt comes out with that question. The question, are you the Messiah? Hey, are you the Messiah or look we for another? 
when you look at John asking that question, it's really, to me, it's kind of mind-boggling. After everything he went through, he's still asking that? Yep. Well, why? Because everyone deals with doubts. But why is it that John, who already said that Jesus was the Messiah, why is he doubting? I think if we kind of know the context of the story, it'll shed some light on why John is doubting. If you did some research, you would discover that the majority for the reason of John's doubt is because things were not going the way John thought they should have been going. Many of the Jews early on, of course, uh, uh, still to this day, many, uh, Jewish, many, many of the Jews believe that when Messiah comes, and they believe this then, that when Messiah came, he was just going to set up the kingdom, that it wasn't going to be long before he just uh, took out the Roman rule and set his kingdom and everything would be set straight. But Jesus told them, no, that's not what's going to happen yet. And you, you and I would recall the stories, if you read the Gospels, of Jesus saying, no, I'm not setting up that type of a kingdom yet. I'm not going to uh, usher in a brand new kingdom of new rule. He's saying, no, my kingdom is not of this world. And Jesus came to, uh, to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come to establish a, a kingdom then, though that will take place. And uh, again, you can read the book of Revelation and discover a lot of that that's coming. But at this time, John the Baptist, he's thinking, where is this kingdom? We've heard of the Messiah. We heard of everything that's supposed to take place. Why isn't it happening right now? So things weren't going the way that John thought they should go. I mean, I imagine John probably didn't see himself getting arrested for preaching truth. He didn't see himself getting thrown in jail for uh, simply standing up and, and heralding the word of God or preaching the word of God. John didn't see all of that in his plans. And so you have this, uh, this man, John the Baptist, not seeing things go the way that he thought things should have gone. Oh, yeah, Jesus is doing some miracles. And, yeah, he had heard about the widespread ministry of Jesus. But at this time, it's like, listen, things aren't going my way. They're not going like I thought. So, Jesus, are you really who you say you are? Are you really in control of this? I want you to know that that kind of doubt, can, it can creep into the life of anybody, can it? You can find yourself at a place of doubt when things aren't happening or going the way that you and I think they should go. I mean, everyone deals with doubt and that blurred vision. And when things do not go or don't go as planned, we begin to view things through a blurred vision. We begin to wonder, does God really know what's going on? We begin to be curious, is Jesus really in control? Is he the one I really should be believing in? And well, what causes this? Well, what causes it is when things aren't working the way I think they should. When I'm in that jail cell, when I'm going through a uh, uh, quarantine and wondering what is taking place, where is God in this, sometimes I can have a blurred vision as to who God is. Well, here's John experiencing that blurred vision. And tonight we need to remember, everyone deals with doubt. All right, pastor, I get it. Everyone deals with doubt. You're right, I've been there. What do I do when I'm dealing with doubt? How do I see through the fog? How do I get past blurred vision. Well, I'm glad you asked tonight. I want us to notice, first of all, that to get past blurred vision, we must turn to him. To get past blurred vision, we must turn to him. 
So here's John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, sitting in a jail cell, wondering, is Jesus really the Messiah? Because things aren't happening like I think they should happen. And what do we find him doing? Verse number 19, John calls unto him two of his disciples, two of his own followers, guys that were adhering to his teaching. We know that John the Baptist had followers like that. And he said, hey, I want you to go to Jesus, and I want you to ask him if he's the one. You look at this, John didn't uh, begin seeking help from a bunch of outside sources. John didn't complain to other people. What did he do? He turned directly to Christ. He turned directly to Jesus. Are you who you say you are? I'm dealing with doubt. Are you really the one who's in control? And I love this thought, and I won't be long with this first thought, but John, he just went directly to the source, didn't he? He turned to the Lord. Hey, I'm dealing with this. Are you who you say you are? And when you and I are dealing with doubt, when we're having those moments of blurred vision, when we can't see through the fog, you know one of the best things that we need to do first is we need to turn to the Lord. Admit it to the Lord. God, I'm dealing with this. I don't want to deal with this, but I need you to show up. Now, we need to remember God is not a genie in the body. He's not a genie where in the lamp where we can just rub the lamp and say, all right, God, do this so that I can know you're real. I remember out on outreach, a number of, this a number of years ago, and I was out door knocking, just telling folks about our church and about the Lord. And and I remember I came across a teenager, and he is in the street, and we were walking, and and I just, hey, how you doing, man? And I walked over and said, I'm, I'm Dennis from Moses Lake Baptist. Just want to invite you out to our church. You go to church anywhere? And we begin to talk for just a minute. He said, oh, I don't believe in God. I said, you don't believe in God? I said, no. He said, I don't believe in God. I, I just believe. And he began to tell me his beliefs. And, and I said, well, I'd like to challenge you on some of that. And I began to kind of direct him a little bit back to Scripture and who God is. And he said, you know what? If God's real, then, then maybe he'll do this. God, if you're real, move that lamppost right now. Move that electrical post right now. And he made that bold claim right in the middle of this road, real loud. And I just looked at him. I said, you have a, you have a, a, a skewed perception of who God is. He's not a genie. He's not going to work in that way. And so when I say turn to God and say, God, kind of prove yourself, John wasn't saying, all right, God, Jesus, I want you to show up and do this to prove who you are. No, he just simply brought his question to the Lord. He just turned to him with that doubt. God, I have, Jesus, I'm struggling with doubt. Are you really the Messiah? Are you really who you say you are? And when you and I struggle with doubt, we need to, like John, we need to turn our question, turn our doubt to him. We so often turn to our own resources. We want to turn to some book when we're doubting or maybe some person or some program. And, and, and while we need influences in our life that are good and people and things that maybe encourage us back to truth, we need to understand that the greatest source of truth is God himself. And so if I'm struggling with doubt, what do I do? Number one, I've got to turn to him. And so if you can't see through the fog, if you're in a moment of doubt, you know what? Just turn that to the Lord. God, I admit this. I'm dealing with doubt. I don't know what's going on. I don't want to have this. I don't, God, I don't want to struggle with who you are and what's going on, but I'm seeing through, I can't see through the fog. Lord, I'm bringing this doubt to you. Are you who you say you are? We need to, number one, we need to turn to him. Number two, when we're struggling with doubt, when we're, dealing with not seeing through the fog, we need to look at what he has done and is doing. 
Look at what he has done and what he is doing. Remember, everybody deals with doubt. Every single one of us deal with doubt. So what do I do? When I'm dealing with doubt, when I can't see through that fog, when I have blurred vision, number one, I turn it to him. Number two, I need to look at what he is doing or what he has done and what he is doing. Notice in our passage, if you will, and we won't take time to read the whole thing again, but here's John sitting in that jail cell. He sends word, Jesus, are you the Messiah? Uh, or do we look for another? And if you were to go through the, portion, the, the scripture that we just read, verses 21 through 23, what you would discover is Jesus basically telling the, uh, the followers of John, the friends of John that were there, you find Jesus saying to them, hey, um, why don't you just go back and just tell John the evidence? Give him the proof. You see, you can make a claim about anything. Anyone can claim anything. But until you prove it, it's just a claim. I could claim that I am the fastest and strongest person in the world. But until I actually race the fastest person in the world, and until I, I don't know, wrestle or arm wrestle or deadlift the strongest person in the world, out deadlift, I don't know, I don't even know what weightlifting all that stuff is. If Until I prove it, it's just a claim. You know what? The same was true for Jesus. He could have come and just said, I am the son of God. But until there was proof or evidence, people would just see it as a claim. This is what Jesus understood, and so this is why Jesus points John to the evidence. He says, hey, John, I know you're dealing with some doubt. I know you're struggling if I really am the Messiah. John, I just want to encourage you, look at the evidence. I just want to encourage you, John, look at what I am doing and what I have done. And when you look at the passage, you can see that Jesus, he tells those who were doubting, who there were those who were doubting who he was, he tells uh, John through those guys, he says, hey, just look at what has been done and look at what I'm continuing to do. I said it a moment ago in the beginning of the, of the message that Jesus, he didn't berate John. He didn't scold him. He didn't reprimand him. He said, just give John this answer. John, look at everything that's taking place. John, look at everything that I'm doing, and you'll see the evidence of who I am. You could maybe think that Jesus, he begins to recap, and in these verses he does, he says, in verse 22, go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard. Hey, go tell him what I'm doing, what you've listened to, my teachings. Go tell him. But then notice what he says. Tell him how the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the dead hear, or excuse me, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, uh, and the poor, to the poor the gospel is preached. He says, hey, uh, why don't you go ahead, go to Capernaum and get word from Peter's mother-in-law. And why don't you go tell Go tell uh, uh, John about her. Hey, why don't you go tell him about the leper in Luke chapter 5 whose leprosy was healed or uh, the paralytic in Mark chapter number 2 who was healed or the centurion from just days before that whose servant was healed. Jesus says, hey, why don't you just look at all the miracles that have been done. Look at all the people who have been healed. Look at all the lives that have been touched. The proof of who I am is in what I do and in what I say. You know, tonight, 
We know that everyone deals with doubt. So what do we do when we're dealing with doubt? Number one, turn to him. Number two, look at what he has done and what he is doing. Can I tell you tonight that the proof of Jesus and who he is is still in what he has done and what he is doing. You say, well, pastor, we don't, we don't see Jesus work in the same way. I mean, I can't literally see a, a man walk down the road and heal somebody right in front of me. You're right, but we have all those miracles recorded for us in the word of God. We have all those accounts recorded for us. But what we need to remember is while God's way of working may have changed in the sense of Jesus isn't physically here walking around and, and touching and healing and making those proclamations, he's given us his word and he's given us his Holy Spirit that still does the heart work that no one could imagine. We've got to know that he's still working today. There are many people watching tonight who can testify to the wonderful working of God, of Christ, in their life. There's people watching tonight who could tell you of a marriage that was restored because of God. People who could point you to a time when, in their life when uh, things were looking down and God worked a miracle. People who can tell you of uh, experiencing the forgiving grace of God. And people who could tell you of the joy that they have because of Christ and the peace that they have. And I think back to Resurrection Sunday and the testimonies we have of people who know the hope that only Jesus can bring. Listen, those folks aren't making it up. And those of you out there tonight that know uh, that Christ has worked in your life, man, when you tell somebody, often there's people that say, no, that can't really happen. No, that's because you turned over a new leaf. No, you can't really change. But you and I know that the work of God is only things that he can do in our life. And he not only claims to be the Messiah, the Son of God, God in the flesh, but he proves it. And he still proves it. And today, I would tell you that if you're experiencing some doubt or some blurred vision, you need to turn that direction to him. Turn that doubt to him. God, I'm struggling with this. And then you need to look back at what God has done in your life and what he's continuing to do. You say, well, I can't see God. You know what? That reminds me of the story of Esther and our series evidence that we went through last year. I was talking to Pastor Skelly about it today. He's just starting a series in Esther. And so we were talking about that. And you know what I'm reminded of is that there are times in our life when maybe it, it may seem to us that God isn't clear, God isn't working, but we can always know that he's working behind the scenes and we can always look to some good that God has done. I want, I want you right now, why don't you just think of some ways that God has worked in your life. Right now, why don't you think about that job that he provided a few years ago when you prayed and asked him for it. Why don't you think today about that health crisis that he helped you through or, or think about the trial or the valley that you went through, maybe the loss of a loved one, and yet you felt his presence walk you through that. Can I just tell you right now that you and I, we can think about many things along the way and understand that God has worked and he is still working. And in my moments of doubt, you know what I need to do? I need to turn to him but I need to look at what he has done and what he is continuing to do. I mean, think about that decision that you had to make and you, you didn't know which way to turn, but you prayed and God gave you direction. Think tonight about that financial situation and, and how you were struggling and you prayed and God provided. Listen, there are so many things that we could look at tonight to understand and to recall and to know that God still works 
And one of the best ways for us to see through the fog is to look at what he's doing and look at what he has done. And I see Jesus tonight pointing, John, John, I know you're struggling with doubt. Hey, guys, why don't you go back and tell John, hey, John, just look at the evidence. Hey, John, just look at what I've done. Just look at what I am doing. So tonight, when you're in that moment of doubt, you need to, number one, turn to him. Number two, you need to look at who he is, what he's doing, and what he's done. But then lastly tonight, I would say this, that when you and I are dealing with doubt, we need to look at what he says about, says to you and about you. Look at what he says to you and about you. I want to bring out two thoughts in this, looking at what he says to us. In the passage, Jesus said, go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard. These, of course, all the followers of Jesus and even those who ridiculed Christ and were uh, against him, the Pharisees and those who were absolutely adamant that he wasn't the Messiah. Do you remember what they said about the teachings of Christ? I mean, plenty of places in scripture, what do you find? You find even the enemies of Jesus blown away by what he said. You find the enemies of Christ saying, we've never heard someone speak like this. You think about Nicodemus who came to Jesus in John chapter number three and what does he do? He says, man, only someone from God could teach like you and work like you. And this is one who would be supposed to be an enemy, someone who is kind of on the outside looking in. And he's saying, hey, we all know. All the Pharisees, that's who he was talking about in John 3. We all know that, that you, your teaching is it's mind-blowing. Just weeks before this, when Jesus would have taught on the Sermon on the Mount, we, we skipped that section because I'm doing a whole series on it and later on in this year on Sunday mornings. But what you find taking place is when Jesus wraps up the whole message, it says that everybody that was there marveled at the words in which he spake. You know what? When Jesus was talking back to John, he said, hey, John, you need to not only look at, at what I've done, but you need to look at what I say. Can I tell you just a quick application for us right now is that when you and I struggle with doubt, one of the best things for us to do is to turn to him in prayer, bring that to him in prayer. Yes, look at the miracles and the wonderful work that he has done in our life, but we need to turn to what he says. We need to get in the word of God. The, one of the best ways for you and I to see through the fog is to get a glimpse of the Savior through his word. Begin to get in the scripture. Begin to look at what he says. Not just the works that he did, but what he says. But I want you to see more specifically tonight that we need to not only look at what he says, but we need to look at what he says about us. You and I, one of the greatest things we can do to overcome that doubt and that uh, blurred vision is to remember what he says, not only to me, but about me. If you were to go to our passage, Christ begins to speak to the people about John. The, the messengers, they turn and they leave. There's other people there. And Jesus turns and he begins to address them. And he kind of talks to them about some things. You can go in through, and we, we read it just a moment ago. And he says, you know, hey, uh, what went you out to see? When you went to hear John, what did you think you were going to see? 
Some of you thought you were going to see a rebel. Some of you thought you were going to see somebody who was just a little bit different. Who Maybe you thought that you were going to see uh, just somebody who was just another passing phase. Or you thought he was a prophet. You thought a lot of things about John. Let me tell you what I think about him. And I want you to look with me at verse number 20, 28. Notice what Jesus said about John the Baptist. For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. Hey, listen, John is the greatest prophet born among women. John is the greatest one. Man, that's a pretty lofty expression, a pretty lofty saying that Jesus is giving about John. There's not a greater, there's not a greater prophet born among women, greater. There's no one greater than John the Baptist. Man, he begins to commend John. It's what the Lord says about John. He had a high regard for him, and he spoke to this end. And here's someone dealing with doubt. And again, the Lord doesn't turn and say, man, can you guys believe that? No, he turns to the people and he says, hey, that guy who's dealing with doubt, he's the greatest prophet ever born among women. And he's the greatest one. Jesus didn't complain to the people about John's ignorance. He doesn't begin to explain John away and excuse his doubt. No, he simply tells the people what he thinks about John. And here's how I wanna tie that to us tonight. When you and I are dealing with doubt, when we have a blurred vision about who God is, we need to look at what he says about us. Now, he spoke good to John after the messengers left. But he's God, Jesus, he speaks good to you and I and he published it for us. And he didn't publish it so that we could go, oh, I'm this great person. No, he published it so that we could go, wow, because he first loved us. Man, you and I who are unlovable, you and I who we at times don't even love, we live with us and we don't love us, and yet the Lord knows so much more about us than we know about ourselves. And what, is, what does the word of God say? Man, we can love him. Why? Because he first loved us. I think of John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. Man, you and I, when we are struggling with moments of doubt, you know what it's good to remember? It's good to remember what the Lord says about me. What does he say about me? He says, I love you. I think about Second Thessalonians 2.16, we read this. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. Man, this is Paul recounting for the church at Thessalonica. Hey, you need to remember that the Lord loves you. So many places in Scripture, we're reminded about his love towards us. I think about one of my favorite portions of Scripture in Romans chapter number 8. We'll be there in just a minute for another thought. But Romans 8 talks about the love that he has for us. And Romans 5, really the whole book of Romans and Hebrews just outlines the love that the Lord has for us. When you're struggling with doubt, you need to step back and remember, you know what? I have a God that loves me. I have a God that loves me. I have a God that has compassion toward me and where I am. What does God say about you? He says, I love you. What else does God say about you? Ephesians chapter one and verse number six, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Listen, if you know Jesus Christ as your savior, Paul was reminding the church at Ephesus, for everyone who knows Christ as their savior, you are accepted by him. Man, what a good thought. I'm accepted by him. Not only does he love me, but he accepts me. 
you know what? There's, there's a lot of people that may love but not accept. But God loves and accepts his children. God loves, he, he loves us, but he also says, you're accepted in the beloved. We find acceptance with him. Man, when I'm struggling with doubt, you know, a good thing to know, man, God isn't gonna reprimand me. How, how dare you? God's gonna say, hey, listen, I accept you. I know the flaws that you have and I accept you. While he hates that sin, while he hates maybe that doubt that might be leading us uh, down, a, down a decision or, or direction of sin, he still says, I still accept you. I still love you. I still desire you to be with me, to have that relationship. What else does the word of God say? What else does Jesus say about us? Romans 8, 31 and 32. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? This is, this is Paul recounting, saying, hey, listen, if the Lord is on your side... If he would give up his son to die on the cross for you, man, you need to know that he's going to provide for you. You need to know that he's going to take care of you. This is, again, just another deep, that, that love being explained in an even deeper way. Hey, if he would give up his own child, if, the, if God would give up Jesus on the cross for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things and give us uh, that, that eternal life. And there's so much there we don't have time to get into, but really just understanding that the Lord, he provides, that the Lord, he knows who we are. He's accepted us. He loves us. I think about John 14, one through three. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. You say, what's here? Well, this is the Lord telling us one more thing about us. Hey, I've got a home waiting for you. Hey, I've got an eternity waiting for you. I go to prepare a place for you, and I'm going, but I'm coming back again. Now, what a promise for the believer to stand on. What an assurance for the believer to rest on. When I'm going through those struggles of doubt, I need to remember what he says about me. He says, I love you. I accept you. I'm here for you and I will give to you. And you need to remember I'm coming again for you. And those to me tonight, those are some reassuring truths. There's so much more that he says to us in the word of God to remind us and to help us understand his love and his care and his provision and his grace and his strength and the hope that we can have. Listen, there are so many places in scripture. I think about uh, all of the Psalms that you could read. And one Psalm I was drawn to today, Psalm 91. Man, go read Psalm 91 and hear about what God thinks about you. What an amazing portion of scripture, an amazing place to be reassured of, hey, I've got a plan with you and I care about you. And when you and I are struggling with that doubt, man, go 
find some things that God says about you and to you in the Word of God. You know what it's going to do? It's going to strengthen you in those moments of doubt. It's going to clear up some of the fog that you might see. Why? Because I begin to refocus. I begin to understand that I'm not watching, uh, I'm not looking through my perception and through my circumstances. No, I'm going to raise above the clouds and understand that there is a sun above the clouds. And even though it's dark and even though it's gloomy, I can know and rest assured that I still have a God who is still very much in control and whom I can trust regardless of my circumstance, regardless of my situation, regardless of my doubt, my God is still very much in control. And I know that everyone deals with doubt. I deal with doubt. You say, Pastor Dennis, you pastor a church. Yes, I still have times where I say, God, what's going on? God, here's this circumstance. Are you in control of it? Jesus, are you really who you say you are? You know what's good for me to do? Turn to him. Everyone deals with doubt, so what do I do? I turn to him. Number two, I looked at who he, who he is, what he's done, what he's been doing, and what he is doing. Number three, I look at what he says, what he says about me and what he says to me. Can I tell you tonight that If you're in a moment of doubt, if you're in a season of wondering, is God in control, turn to him. Quit looking to other sources. Quit looking out and trying to figure everything out on your own. No, God, I'm dealing with this doubt, and I'm turning to you. Then step back and just look at what he has done and what he is doing. God, help me to see how you've worked in my life. God, help me to see the answered prayer requests. You say, well, pastor, I... I, I just don't see those. I would probably beg to differ because every single one of us, I know there's times in my life where I'm like, well, I can't see God working. I was thinking that a couple weeks ago. I was thinking, well, I just don't see God working. And man, God brought a couple statements across my path to kind of to bring me back in line. And I had to step back and go, man, Lord, I'm so sorry. You are working. God, I'm sorry for my doubt. I'm sorry for thinking that you weren't in control. And I'm so thankful for what he has done and what he is doing. But then if you're struggling with that doubt tonight, can I encourage you to pause and look at what he says to you and what he says about you. You have a God who loves you and gave his only son so that you and I could be restored to him. And God help us when we go through those times We get that focus off. Help us to turn back to understand, man, he says some great things to me. And he says some amazing things about me. Not because of who I am, but all because of who he is. I want to encourage you tonight with this. Don't let blurred vision keep you from seeing who Christ is in your life and what he has in store for you or for your life. Don't Don't allow the devil to use circumstances to bring fog into your life. Instead, tonight, rise above it. How? Turn to him. Look at what he's done, what he is doing. And then last tonight, look at what he says to you and what he says about you. But then tonight, I would say this, that maybe you're watching and you don't know if you died today that you'd go to heaven. Can I say every single person is going to spend eternity somewhere and you can know that heaven is where you'll spend eternity if 
you put your faith and trust in him. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is the only way to a relationship with God. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except through me, but by me. And tonight, if you are at home or you are driving in your car, wherever you're at, and you don't know if Jesus is in your life tonight, you could ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. Tonight, you could simply pray something like this of, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I believe that you died on the cross for me and rose again. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin and to be my savior. It's not that prayer that saves you. It's you making the decision to put your faith and trust in him, confessing with your mouth what you believe in your heart. But if you're watching tonight and you're a believer, you know Christ is your savior. Can I encourage you? Doubt is gonna come. You say, that's not encouraging. Right. Can I discourage you? Doubt is gonna come. But let me encourage you. There's a way to see through the fog. There's a way to get past that blurred vision. Well, how? Same way, John, same way God told John to. Turn to him. Look at what he's done and what he's doing. And then listen to what he says to you and what he says about you. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.